this morning, but the title of the sermon this morning is Hell, Sad But True. I know there's a lot of folks who don't, uh, this, this subject doesn't appeal to them, and quite frankly, it doesn't appeal to me either. But I do want you to understand that as we make our way to the resurrection, and we'd much rather talk about the resurrection, as we make our way to the resurrection in March, you understand that without the understanding of what we're going to be talking about today, without the acceptance of the truth of hell, you won't understand the great gift and the great sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. So this message that we'll be talking about and what we'll be talking about today is it highlights the, the subject of that resurrection. You know, our sins are forgiven. Our Savior loves us. We have a place without pain, sorrow, tears, and heartache. But how many do we know who don't have that? How many do we know who they're not looking forward to heaven? And they don't really know what's ahead of them. If you get right down to it and you ask people, they don't really know. And those who might have known have denied it, and now they've rejected it, and they don't think that that would happen to them. So there's a truth here. There's a fundamental truth that should motivate us as Christians to to be a witness, to love our families and our neighbors and our co-workers and, and all those folks around us who don't know Jesus Christ. For the end that is before them is horrific. And whenever we understand that, it motivates us more to be that, to be that voice for Christ, those hands for Christ. Hell is the place that unbelievers often deny even exists. Skeptics doubt it. Even some would-be believers think it's too harsh. met a man one time, and as I visited with him, he told me, well, at one point in my life, I was a deacon in a Baptist church. And I said, well, what happened? He said, I just couldn't get past the thought of hell, so I no longer believe that. And I thought, how sad that is. For whether you believe it or not, it's still true. And that's going to come around, and he's going to have to, to deal with that. Like many folks, he has taken up annihilism or annihilation where you're just destroyed. You no longer exist. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches a conscience or a conscious punishment, torment forever and ever. You'll know what's going on forever and ever. So we'll, we'll read about talk about this subject today. That's one of the reasons that as I opened up in the announcements that it's, it's far too important to joke about. It's far too important for us to not have a handle and understanding on about this subject, hell. So let's read in, in, in Mark chapter 9, beginning in 43. We'll skip over to Luke chapter 12. I want to read these two places because they do... they. They introduce the subject here in a way that I want you to understand. Mark chapter 9 and 43, it says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. 
If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Then as you turn over to Luke chapter 12, we read in verses 4 and 5, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. There's a warning in this. There's a warning about how we ought to live. There's a a warning about what we should fear. And I want you to understand as we start this that the Bible affirms that that hell is a real place. And what what I read to you this morning is Jesus not trying to teach you about hell. There are some descriptors in those verses that give us an inclination of what hell would be like, but that's not what Jesus is talking about in these passages. What Christ is simply doing is warning you to take and assume that his word is true, that there is a place called hell, and that because there is a place, be warned not to go there. He just simply states that there is a place. It's much like when God was introduced in Genesis. In the beginning, God. They didn't make a case for God. There's just an assumption that there is a creator. There is a God who's created all that we know. He's over it. He sustains it. And one day he will judge it. It's just something that's assumed in the Scripture. And I want you to understand that Christ is just assuming that this is an absolute truth, that there is a place called hell, and all those who are not saved from it will go there. As we look at this today, I want you to understand that there are some things in our lives that we have been saved from that ought to drive us to our knees and thank God Almighty for His Son, Jesus Christ, who took my sins in order that I don't have to receive punishment for them in hell. This is not a subject that the world wants to even acknowledge. So as we look at this, this affirmation that we see is in many places. Look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27. We see that Christ is always teaching, he's always preaching, and his desire is that all would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to escape the condemnation that is to come. And in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27, it reads, it says, what I, what I tell you in darkness that ye speak in light, and what ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops, and fear not them which kill the body, 
but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You understand, this is the motivation that Christ is talking about for us to go and tell other people what we hear, what are what is taught to us by the Word of God, what the Lord Jesus Christ himself has spoken in this verse that we've just read. What you hear, tell other people, because it is of utmost importance for all eternity. There is a hell. Men will be there because they reject God and all that it is to do with him. <clears throat> you can read some of these again in Matthew 25. Christ is not trying to convince anyone of the reality of hell. He just assumes it's true. This morning, I want you to spend a few minutes and just assume that hell is true because the Bible teaches Christ talked about hell as much as he talked about heaven in his ministry. And it was his desire that men be saved from that. Jesus talks and describes this place in many different places in Scripture we read some of those, but he says it's a place of eternal torment in Luke 16:23. Now I want to I want you to look at a word for a moment, that word torment there, because it's important. It's not torture. Torture is not just. Torture is something that someone else places on another human being as a general rule. could be animals, could be other things, but torture is done for a reason to simply harm and hurt. It's evil. And in God, there is no evil. So I want you to understand that torment is in hell because what is taking place is deserved by the one who is being tormented. And a, a lot of that torment is, is there because we, if that were me, would have been deserved, right? You understand and we'll see later that the judgments that are received in hell come straight out of the books from where everything that was taking place in your life, every word, deed, thought, every action, Everything that's happened in your life is recorded in the book, and directly from that you receive the just reward that you have taken upon yourself because you chose to follow your own way. So it's just. It's a torment. I tell you what, you can torment yourself over things, okay? Just this... A week or two ago, got out there with my wife doing a couple things I shouldn't have been doing, and I had a board, and I bam, and I was like, oh! And I thought, that's, that's stupid. Why, why would I do that? Why would I go and, 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 even, and even do that, right? And then it, I get in the, I go try to sleep at night, and I'm like, oh, and why would I do that? I just... And I was tormented within my spirit because of my ignorance when I got out there and did that. But what if it was eternal? What if, what, what if you spent your life hearing about the Word of God, 
And you rejected it your whole life, and now you're in heaven, and you understand that all that was spoken of is true. Would that not torment you? I could have missed this. And therein lies the torment, maybe the gritting, the gnashing of teeth. Oh, what have I done? That's where you begin to understand the importance. The Bible calls it an eternal torment. It's an unquenchable fire. Fire represents judgment, just judgment. And I'll say this to you. Judgment is a righteous thing for God to do because His attribute of justice must prevail. So if sin goes unpunished, then God is not just. And because of the justice of God, Sin must be punished. Now, we know that 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 sin that I had was punished in in Christ. My sins were laid on Christ. And by faith, I've received His righteousness that covers me. But if I choose not to receive Christ, then that just punishment of sin then must fall on me. That happens in the eternal sequence of hell. The unquenchable fire, Mark 9, 43. It talks about where the worm does not die in Mark 9, 48. Where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, Matthew 13 and 42. And from which there is no return. It is an eternal judgment. That's where a lot of people begin to waver in their belief in hell. I mean, forever and ever? Why forever and ever? We'll address that a little bit later because it's really important. He calls hell a place of outer darkness in Matthew 25. And he comparing it to Gehenna in Matthew 10:28. I don't know if you know what Gehenna is, but we'll get into that a little bit more in the next little section there. But it was a basically a garbage dump. But I want you to understand something today. The Lord Jesus Christ wants every man to miss this judgment. It's not God's will that any should ever go to hell. And I want us to look at this. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. The heart of Christ says that I will give my life that all not have to go to heaven. Excuse me. All not have to go to hell. I want all to go to heaven. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. So if anyone ends up in hell, it's not because... Jesus sent them there. He did everything in His power that was just and holy and righteous to save folks from hell. It's men who despise Christ and His way who take themselves into that condemnation. We were all on that road before. We were all headed there. Without the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in Him, 
I would have been there. Yet now I know I am not under condemnation because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some words that are translated hell in the Bible. We want to understand these for it speaks to the, the whole salvation plan and what's going on with saved and unsaved throughout the eons of time. The first word that we see in Scripture is that of Sheol. That's what you see in Luke chapter 16. It only means the place of the dead or the place of departed soul or spirits. So when we look at that, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16 for a moment. And we'll see in here a little story that is really important. Luke chapter 16, verse 22. It says, And it came to pass that the beggar died. We all know this story. It's the, beg- the rich man and, the- and Lazarus the beggar. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. If you go on to read, it says, no, that if, they, if someone came back from the dead to tell them, they wouldn't listen. They have Moses and the prophets, which is the word of God. Let them hear them. Okay, that's what he's talking about. But what I want you to understand here is this word Sheol is simply a place where those who have died, all folks, go, saved and unsaved. What? Yeah, because the saved people go into the Abraham's bosom. They go into paradise. The unsaved people go into what is hell, which is torment. Now, why is that? Well, let me say this to you. Because until the sacrifice of the Lamb of God was made, no one went to heaven. Until Christ paid the price on the cross, all those who died in faith, looking forward to the cross, were, were in the paradise section of hell, which is Abraham's bosom, and they were there being comforted, and they were there in total peace. But when Christ died on the cross, the Bible says he first descended before he ascended. He carried, he made captivity. He carried captivity and placed it on high. So what he did is he took those saints whom he had died for in faith that had died before he, on the cross, he carried them to heaven. At that point, all that was left 
were those who were in torment in hell. Now, in our day, Paul can say exactly correct that those who are absent from the body are present with the Lord because you go straight to heaven where Christ is in this day and time because the price has already been paid. We are saved looking back at the cross. Those who are left there are still there in torment, waiting, waiting for a future judgment. The Greek word, also Gehenna, is used in the New Testament for hell. You see that in Matthew 29 and and 23. Hebrew Gehenna is a place, it is a valley southwest of Israel that was an it has an evil connotation for a long time, but it had been, at this period of time, began to be used as a garbage dump. <coughs> it's the place where the Israelites passed their children through the fire, sacrificing them to Molech. So it was an evil, ungodly place. And now it's being used as a garbage dump, and Jesus likened this to hell. It's where they would throw the dead bodies of criminals and animals and refuse and it burned and it stunk and it had maggots and it was a horrific place. Jesus likened this place to hell. That's what he's talking about when he says Gehenna. Sheol is also another word uh, that we would say for Sheol is Hades. But this word Gehenna, and Jesus is likening that place to, to hell to the torments of it. And I want you to understand something. When we understand that goodness resides in one, all uncorrupt, holy, righteous, perfect, loving, kind, all the things that we would want, they only emanate from God. So where God is not, those things do not exist at all. And the torment comes because no goodness resides in hell. It's all evil. That's why we understand that what Christ is talking about here, it's an evil, horrific place. Now, that's different than what the eternal hell that a lot of people think is. Turn all the way over to Revelation chapter 19. We'll read a couple of these. Verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Now you see another final place that is considered hell. It is the lake of fire. On over in chapter 20, verse 10, you see this again. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, I want you to understand the opposite of that is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in holiness and righteousness where there's no tears and no heartache, where there's no 
ungodliness at all. And it's not to me and you hard to understand that because we've already received the Lord Jesus Christ. Or I hope you have. I hope you've done that. Because not the opposite side of that is the destination that is you're presently on. So we also see then that there's an issue of why we cannot deny that hell exists and why it is eternal. These are things that folks want to do all the time. I don't believe there's really a hell. We do believe there's a heaven. Yeah, I believe there's a heaven. I just don't believe there's a hell. Well, then you can't believe in one without believing in the other because the same person taught both of those things just as true about one as he did the other. So how can you say that is a a double-minded man? And he's and you are unstable in all your ways. So you're only cherry picking. You're only believing. And and what that means is you're on your way. You're not on the way. Because and to be on the way, to be in the way, is to believe all that Christ taught. The whole counsel of God. If you pick this in Scripture and believe this, but you don't believe that, then you are not in the way of the Lord. If you take anything away, the Bible says, then you're accursed. If you add anything to the Bible, you're accursed. And because of that, you're not in the way of the Lord. Now, when we accept that righteousness and goodness and holiness and perfection are only found in God, then absent from these things leaves nothing but the opposites of evil and holiness of corruption. So to reject God is to choose self. If I don't believe there's a hell, then I've rejected God. And I'm believing what I think is right. And that is an affront to God. By the standards laid out in Scripture, that is a choice that you're making between good and and evil, and we're choosing evil if we don't accept the full counsel of God. Look at Matthew 16. I want to show you a little something here. And 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Well, I don't believe I'm really going to... God's not really going to send me to hell. I don't think there is a hell... I think that's unjust. I think that. I think that. I think that. Do you see what you're right here in 25? You're saving your own life. And by doing that, the Bible specifically says you're losing your life. You're you're being lost to the condemnation of hell by choosing your own beliefs. Not the beliefs of the Word of God. Thus saith the Word of God. So as you go on and read that then, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now when I was a a little younger, I thought, boy, I don't want to be a martyr. How's this going to work out? Right? I don't want to die. But what I'm understanding now is this. When I put my life aside, and my life consists of a lot of things, when I put my life aside and I put God's desires in 
first in my life, I have lost my life as I would have lived it, as I would have decided. And I have lived my life according to the way God would have me to live it. That's what he's talking about. And whenever I place God first in my life, and then I've lost what I would have done sinfully and how I would have lived without Christ, when I've lost that, let me ask you a question this morning. Is that a loss? If you're a part of the world and you think like the world, yes, it is. Look at all the fun I can have. I could wake up in the morning with a horrible headache and a hangover. Think how fun that is. I can be, I can be addicted to drugs and it take every dignity away from me. Think how wonderful that would be. I get to do exactly what I want to do. Let me tell you, it's a blessing sometimes to lose your life. Because the person that catches it, Jesus Christ, always has your best interests at heart. And what he asks you to do only lifts you up and provides a life of abundance. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about purpose and fulfillment and joy and love. How good is that compared to eternal judgment? That's what he's talking about there in Matthew 16. If there was no hell, what then would be the need for a substitutionary atonement? If there's no hell, what would it have mattered if Christ died on the cross or not? Because there's nothing to be saved from if I'm not going to be in eternal punishment. Do you understand how, what a slap in the face that is to the Almighty God who gave His only begotten Son, who was a perfect human being, who ever sin of human was placed upon Him, and it was punished upon the cross? What a slap in the face that is for folks to put that forth. To begin to excuse me, understand that substitutionary atonement for Christ on the cross. And what that means to me because of what I miss in hell. And it becomes a truth that works in my heart and brings me to Christ. Then the last thing that I want to say real quickly is why an eternal, unending judgment? Why didn't he just give him a thousand years and then let you out? Why didn't he just give you a a judgment of a period of time, and then it's over with, right? Why is it eternal? One of the things that I want you to understand this morning is that the Lord Jesus Christ is an eternal, infinite being. Before the world was, He was. He's God. God is infinite. He's always been, and He always will be. And when you sin against God, it is an infinite sin. And because He's an infinite being, and because you sinned, whether you know it or not, all sin is ultimately against God. And because He's an infinite being, and you've chosen not to be in relationship to God, that Choice is an infinite choice because you would choose that from now on. And the infinite God that we sin against.
has no choice but to withdraw that relationship which leaves you separated from God for all eternity by my choice or the person who would choose not to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an infinite God. David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned when he was talking about Uriah and Bathsheba. What he did there. But you understand, ultimately, it was against the infinite God. And because of that, it's an infinite justice. One of the things that we see, I want to read one thing here from a writer that I thought was good. It says, we never leave God because we value him little. We also exchange God because we value something else more. Let me say that again. Nobody leaves God, forsakes God, abandons God, suppresses God, turns away from God simply because they value Him little. We always turn away from God because we value something else more. You value something else more than you value God, which is why it is such a cosmic insult and infinite outrage. This is the infinite outrage in the universe that human beings prefer something else over God. And everything that you do, every sin you commit boils down to that. You choose something else over God. That's what Adam did. That's what Satan, that's what Lucifer did. That's what the demons that followed Lucifer did. That's what Adam did, and that's what you did. And that's what I did. Because of that, I was separated from God. And I was on my way to hell. But Jesus threw out a lifeline. Jesus threw out the ability for me to put my faith in His atoning work and have those sins punished on the cross. And that way, I can be in heaven and God can still be just. And that's what I chose to do. And this morning I've talked to you about hell because I want you to know the consequences of not choosing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you don't know when that day's coming that you no longer have an opportunity to choose. We're not promised tomorrow. You could get in the car and before you get home have an aneurysm or a car wreck or a heart attack or whatever it is and you not be waking up tomorrow on this earth. But you'll be waking up somewhere because it is a conscious judgment for those who don't have Jesus Christ for all eternity. It is a conscious righteousness and joy and peace for those who wake up in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the only two choices. There's no difference. I'm going to read one verse to finish. Revelations 20. This is not in your book, but I want to read 11 through 15, and we'll be finished. I saw a great white throne in him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. 
There's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. It's the greatest, most awesome name, and it's depicted right there. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. When you're saved, when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the first thing that's going to happen at the judgment is that book is going to be open. And if your name is written in there, good for you. You're in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. But what happened is here they're looking in the book and their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. So there's another set of books that have copied down everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, Everything that's ever gone on in your life is written down in those books. So the Lord gets those books and He opens them up. And those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. That's the place of the departed dead we talked about. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. God is not going to do anything to them they don't deserve. They're going to know it, and they're going to agree with God. Are they going to like it? No. They're going to be in torment. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The second death was when they died. The first death was when they died Physically, the second death is when they're separated from God for all eternity, dead to God. That is the second death, and they're in the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. I personally believe there's some truth into the fire and brimstone in the whole description. There are those who would say, well, they believe this is kind of a uh, an example or an allusion to the torment that we receive because of those things that are within us. I think both of those are probably true. And one of the things that we were talking about yesterday, I didn't have time to get into, not everybody's going to be judged as harshly as the same, right? Those whose books were big and thick with sin, they're going to get the harshest punishment. Those who just rejected Christ, and although they were good in their mind, their righteousnesses were as filthy rags, is what Isaiah said, and they wouldn't receive Jesus Christ. Good people according to the world's standards, but it's not the Lord's standards that that they're that well, it's not the world's standards that we're judged by. It's God's total perfection, right? That's what we're going to be judged by. That's what they're going to be judged by. So I don't know where you are this morning. But I can't think of a more evangelistic sermon than you've heard today. You can choose Jesus Christ and His salvation and live forever, or you can reject Jesus Christ and know that someplace in the future, destruction awaits you. That's just the truth. And whether or not that's accepted, whether or not you don't want to hear it, whatever it is, it is going to come to pass whether I believe it or not.
It's just the truth of the Word of God. If you don't know Jesus today, I implore you. It's a warning. It's a warning. Give your life to Jesus and allow Him to set your life on a path of His choosing and lay yours aside. Whoever loses his life finds it. And whoever what finds his life loses it. Lose it to Jesus Christ this morning. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. We're going to have a song of invitation. This will go out over Facebook. And if you're there and you're convicted and you need someone to help you understand this, please call upon someone who can give you the truth in a way that you can understand it because we don't know that the Lord Jesus Christ might not sound the trumpet and all be taken away who is in Christ. And man, would it be terrible to be left behind. What a, what a horrific feeling that must be. Whatever your need is this morning, humbly bow yourself before Jesus. We're going to be making our way over the next few weeks to the cross and the resurrection. But I just felt that, that we needed to understand if we don't if we don't understand this, we we're not gonna celebrate that with the fervor that we ought to. That's why we started here today. Would you stand as we sing?